Hello and welcome to Life for Living. My name is Pat Kilby. I am the pastor at Cary First Baptist Church in Cary, North Carolina. Light for Living is a podcast designed to share biblical truth from a fresh perspective with an emphasis on relevant and practical application for our life. So I want to take a few minutes before we get into the lesson today just to thank you for uh, those of you who have been listening. Um, We've been going for, this is the 18th episode, so we've been going several weeks now, and this is, a for me, a process learning how to get better and and do better. So thank you for your patience and willingness to uh, put up with me. Now, as we start to, to look at Revelation, it's going to get a little faster, but as I study these things, there's just so much that comes out. So I kind of want to apologize for, for, for going so slow. It seems like it might be a little tedious, but I'm, uh, I'm just learning so much that I think it's very important that we share, especially understanding Revelation 4 and 5. It's fundamental in understanding uh, Revelation chapter 6 through 19. So we are going to, to take a pause and go a little bit slower but uh, I would ask that you uh, pray for me. We're living in uh, difficult times, and um, pray for me that God will give me wisdom and patience and discernment to know how to not only lead our church, but to know how to uh, to to proclaim His Word. And I just thank uh, you know God for the platform that we have through this podcast. I want to give a shout out to uh, Andrew Wagner. He's the one who produces this and kind of coaches me along. He's a great encouragement. And I just appreciate the fact that uh, he's in my life and he's part of this. And, uh, you know, whatever God does through this, you know, he'll have a a great part in that. So uh, just a shout out to him. And uh, if you see him around, you probably won't recognize him or know him. But if you ever meet Andrew Wagner, he's a a fine young man, a good uh, good dude and a really good friend. So I thank thank God for his his presence in my life. So... um, as we uh, start to look at Revelation chapter 5, or actually continue to look at Revelation chapter 5, just know we're going to learn some significant things, and they are very, very important as we uh, continue to move through Revelation as we uh, seek to understand clearly chapter 6 through 19. So currently, um, we're teaching through the book of Revelation. Today, we're talking about Revelation chapter 5. Now, Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Then I saw on the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. So I'd want to spend just a a couple of moments reviewing what we talked about last week and then jump into uh, the new content for this week. So last week we saw that uh, the right hand is significant. When John saw a right hand of the one seated on the throne, he saw that the right hand had a scroll in it. So what we understand is this. God is sovereign and strong. God is in control of the future, and the scroll is in his mighty right hand. So not only do we see the the right hand is significant, but we also understand the importance and the significance of the scroll with the seven seals. The scroll sealed with the seven seals on the right hand of God is literally the title deed to the universe. Because God created the earth, he owns the earth, and now He understands, and he's about to take it back. We understand this from from looking last week. The world we live in is getting worse and not better. The Scripture says the earth is is groaning. So in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 22, here's what Paul said. 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. So really what's going on since the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned, since the fall, the earth has been cursed and the earth has been growing worse and not better. So in Revelation 5, 2 through 4, John says, I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look in it. I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to even look in it. So John is is weeping, and I think we know why he's weeping. The, the earth is under a curse, and it's growing worse and worse. And, and what we found last week is this. The world is sinful. The world is violent. The world is diseased. The world is polluted, and our world is wasting away. Our world is seemingly getting worse and not better. To make matters even more serious, and this is why John is crying, there is no one worthy. Not a, there's no one. No one who is worthy or able to take the scroll from the right hand of God and break its seals. So once again, John is weeping. The earth is getting worse and not better, and seemingly there is no hope. But I would tell you to, to mark Revelation chapter 5, verse 5 in your Bibles. Things are about to change. The crying is over and victory is at hand. In Revelation chapter 5, John identifies Jesus with two separate and distinct descriptions. Number one, we see that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So a better way to put that is this. Jesus is the lion who rules. The second description of Jesus, Jesus is the lamb who was slain, or in other words, Jesus is the lamb who redeems. So we're going to see in Revelation chapter 5, Jesus is the lamb who rules, or the lion who rules. Jesus is the lion who rules. Jesus is the lamb who redeems. So let's look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. One of the elders said to me, stop crying. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has been victorious so that he may open the scroll and its seven seals. So Jesus is the lion from the tribe of Judah. He is the lion who rules. Jesus is the lion. Jesus is the one who steps up to the throne. Jesus is the lion. Jesus is the one who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll. Jesus is the lion. Jesus is the one who has the authority to break the seals and open the scroll. Jesus is the lion. Jesus is the one who has the power to break the seals and open the scroll. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the victorious one. So Jesus, the lion, steps up. He is worthy, has authority, and power. He is the victorious one. So to really understand the what this description, Jesus being the lion from the tribe of Judah, I think we need to look at Genesis chapter 49. Jacob, who was renamed Israel, had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. 
So Jacob is on his deathbed, and he's talking to his sons. Judah is the fourth of 12 sons born to Jacob. And as he is addressing his sons, he comes to Judah and he tells them this. And it's a word of prophecy for Judah and those who would come after him. So in Genesis 49, 8 through 12, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the necks of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. Judah is a young lion. My son, you return from the kill. He crouches, he lies down like a lion or a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah or the staff from between his feet until he whose right it is comes and the obedience of the peoples belongs to him. He ties his donkey to a vine and the colt of his donkey to the choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth are whiter than milk. So what Jacob is doing here, he is declaring to his son Judah that a lion would come forth from him. He's literally declaring that the Messiah is coming from his lineage. Jacob declares that rulers and kings of Israel would rise from Judah's lineage, his bloodline. Ultimately, we understand through this prophecy that the Messiah would come from Judah's lineage. Isaiah also prophesied about the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoiced at harvest time and as they rejoiced when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders." He will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So what we learn is this, the descendant of Judah who is known as the lion of the tribe from Judah, is described here in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. The Messiah would be a strong leader. The Messiah would be a ruler, a mighty warrior, a great king, and a prince of peace. Now let me go back. In the day and ministry of Jesus, the religious leaders and rulers of the day, they could not grasp Jesus as the Messiah. You see, he came as uh, as a baby in a manger. He was a suffering servant, even a criminal on a cross. They put him on a cross because they thought he was a blasphemer. You see, they didn't realize he was the Messiah. They weren't looking for a suffering servant. They were looking for what is described here in Isaiah chapter 9. They were looking for a strong leader, a ruler, a mighty warrior, a great king, 
They were looking for a prince of peace, not a baby born in a manger. So they put him to death. But we know the Messiah, who is Jesus, he's called the lion from the tribe of Judah. Now let's take a just think about a lion for a second. Lions are massive and menacing creatures. It's been said that you can hear the roar of a lion from miles away. Lions that are full-grown and healthy can be 10 feet long from the tip of their nose to the end of their tail. They stand several feet high and can eat 75 pounds of meat at one setting. They are they are menacing and massive. They have tremendous power and strength, quickness and speed. They also have boldness and, and stamina. So Jesus is the lion. He is the powerful one. He's the strong one. Historically, the image of the lion has been used to symbolize and represent kings and nations. The lion symbolizes power, leadership, boldness, authority, and even royalty. Now, when the Bible talks about and uses lions as symbolism, the Bible uses lions as symbolism in much the same way. The, the lion symbolizes power, leadership, boldness, authority, and royalty. So in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, it's Jesus, the lion, stepping up to the throne of God. Jesus, the lion, stepping up to the throne of God with boldness, authority, and strength. So Jesus, the lion from the tribe of Judah, is no longer a baby in a manger. He's no longer a suffering servant. He's no longer a criminal on a cross. Jesus is the lion out of the tribe of Judah. He's the victorious one, and he's the one stepping up to the throne, and he's going to take the seal, or he's going to take the, the scroll that has seven seals from the one who is seated on the throne. So Jesus is not stepping up to the throne in heaven to make a grand entrance. Jesus is stepping up to the throne in heaven because he's about to take over. Jesus, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the victorious one, he is the one taking the scroll. He will break the seals of the scroll, and he will begin to and eventually redeem the earth back to himself. So Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is sovereign over all things. He is ruler. He is king of all kings, and he is the righteous judge. Revelation chapter 5 identifies Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the lion who rules. So we've come to a, a good place to stop. I know this uh, podcast hasn't been very long, but I want you to spend some time focusing on this. Jesus is the lion who rules. He has great power and authority, and he is the one who is worthy to take the scroll, and he is the one who's going to break the seals, and he is the one who's going to redeem the earth back to himself. So next week, we'll focus on Jesus, Jesus the Lamb who redeems. So thank you for listening to the podcast this week. I want to encourage you to continue listening. I also want you to invite your family members, your friends, neighbors, co-workers, and acquaintances to join us as we continue to study the book of Revelation. I hope you have a great week, and thanks for joining us today on Life for Living.